0: Welcome to episode eight of It Takes a Village, a podcast of Healing Hands International based out of Nashville. My name is Taryn Foster, and I'm joined by my co host, Mark Gent.
1: Hey. How's it going? Hey, Taryn. Hey. How are you? I'm great. It's been a little while since we recorded an episode. Yep,
0: yep. too it's, long.
1: Yeah, too long. But we're looking forward to today's, and then we got ideas for a couple of more here to round out the year. But we're recording this the Tuesday after Thanksgiving, so um, this episode will be released either end of this week or beginning of next. But uh, so we had a little break from the office, got yep. some little rest, relaxation during Thanksgiving R week. Yes, yeah. very crucial. Uh, Taryn, what are some of your Uh, What did you get into last week? And then what are some of your Thanksgiving traditions you do with your Arkansas family?
0: Oh, well, I had two different Thanksgivings. I had one with my mom's family in Jonesboro, Arkansas, shout out. And then my dad's family in Paris, Arkansas, which no one knows about Paris, Arkansas, Mm -hmm. but that's okay. Are
1: you not giving them a shout out? Oh, shout out. Sorry.
0: (laughs) There's not that many people that live there, so so none brought, of them are listening to our might. podcast.
1: I don't know, they might. If you live in Paris, Arkansas, and you listen please. to this podcast, please email us. <laughs> please at, listen to us. Um,
0: <laughs> What's our email?
1: Info at
0: Yes, perfect. Is that an yeah.
1: email address we have?
0: I don't know. That's okay. Anyways, um, had a great time. Had a lot of food. I played tennis with my mom. Oh, which that's is cool. Something I've never done before. She's never like in your a life. Pro. Never. Oh wow! But she was like, "Wow, you should join the league." I was like, <laughs> "After one time, I don't know. <laughs> Yes, yeah. you look
1: like Serena Williams."
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Much. So it was really good. It was fun. How about you? That's
1: great. What? Um, uh, yeah, it was good. so tell me this. Wh- okay. What's your? We'll get to me in a minute. But what? Like, what's your favorite Thanksgiving food? Let's ask the generic oh. Thanksgiving question. What's your dish are you talking or dishes?
0: Like, are you talking like food, food, or like dessert? Or is it That's all? That's also food. It's all, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought you meant like meal or, you know. Yeah.
1: Okay, well. Any of the above.
0: I really like creamed corn, okay. which is kind of specific. Okay. But I think it's really good. And as far as dessert, probably pumpkin pie, which is kind of mm. random. But no, I, it's not random. I, I mean, it's not random, but it's like normally people say like cherry, pecan, you yeah, know. Yeah. But I love pumpkin pie.
1: I've never had a slice of pumpkin pie <gasps> in my life mark i know
0: you've got to get on the train
1: i know I'm but you have out. to get
0: like a homemade piece a homemade, not just yeah. like can't go to Kurgan. store-bought yeah no so gotta good do it right good
1: thanksgiving week yes enjoyed it i enjoyed it awesome how about you yeah it was great um so the weekend before we went to visit Beth's family down in Fayetteville. That was fun. Had Thanksgiving. Her dad retired after 45 oh. years of being a family doctor. Oh wow. In a That's small what my town. So they uh, had a big reception for him last Sunday. Uh, like 300 of his patients came by and oh. it was just really sweet. It was really nice to see Somebody honored who has dedicated their life to a profession in the same small town, his hometown, his entire career. Wow. And that was neat. So that was the beginning of our Thanksgiving week. And then Mm -hmm. Wednesday and Thursday, we were at my folks' house down in Lewisburg. And that was a lot of fun. We took family pictures.
0: (gasps) We did that, too?
1: Yeah. Took family pictures. Uh, Beth in Brooklyn did their Black Friday shopping extravaganza. I saw that. Mm -hmm. Facebook. Almost 13 hours of Black Friday shopping. Yeah.
0: That's a whole lot. They
1: spent $93 total. No, I'm to- kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's not about how <laughs> much they spend. Say. It's all about the experience. yes, yeah, of course, of course. Since like middle school. But That's it was good. good. It was a good Thanksgiving week. And now we're all back in the office ready to close out the year. Yep. Uh, we got a pretty full on next month yes. here in the office at Healing Hands. We're all grateful. Um, we're all grateful. And uh, yeah, so... Uh, we're actually recording this on Giving Tuesday.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it, whenever you do listen to this, um, even though Giving Tuesday will have passed, you can still give.
0: You can always give.
1: You can always give. And yes. we will... Uh, you can go to HHI.org and look for special ways you can give and get involved. So, yes. Just a hey, plug there. Yeah, just a plug. Hey, today I'm excited about uh, the guest we have on the podcast, Jeff Whitehorn. Hey, Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Oh. Hey, hey, thank
2: you. Thank you.
1: Yeah, yeah, we are really excited to have Jeff. Uh, Jeff is on the board at Healing Hands. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, he goes to church as a, and an elder at Brentwood Hills Church of Christ. Uh, he's a retired healthcare executive, which we'll dive into. Now has his own consulting and coaching firm. And he's been involved with HHI for a long time. Uh, and I love his story on that when he retired, why he wanted to be more involved in HHI. So we'll get him to tell that. And he is a newly published author as of last week. <laughs> Woo! Thank you, thank you. Yeah, is this The first uh, podcast you've done since your book was released. Actually, it
2: is. I'm honored. I know you're number one. Yeah, look for your book sales to—they're
0: going to skyrocket. Skyrocket absolutely.
2: I can't wait. (laughs) We'll talk about the book. (laughs) We'll be watching the numbers. Okay,
1: leadership treasure. (laughs) We're going to talk about that. So we're going to dive into all that during our time together, but. Uh, Jeff, just here from the outset, uh, instead of telling our listeners what you've done, uh, tell them who you are. Who is Jeff Whitehorn? Your family, uh, your passions, any hobbies you have okay. about your work with the church and your service to the church? I'll just put all that out there.
2: Hey, be happy to. I've uh, been married to my wife, Jennifer, for 36 years. I uh, met her whenever we went here to Lipscomb back in the uh, early 80s, very early 80s, I might add. Uh, We have two girls, uh, Ashley and Emily. Ashley is, uh, she is a uh, case manager for a hospital up in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, Our son-in-law is a fourth-year med student there at UC. And then our youngest daughter is a senior at Harding University, is a middle school uh, teacher, is is what she, is her passion, what she wants to be able to do. So uh, for me, uh, things that you know that I'm passionate about. Um, obviously, you try to find ways to help others. Certainly, here at Brentwood Hills, very passionate about about our church and our family here. Um, I love uh, the University of Alabama. Let's go ahead and put that out there mm-hmm. quickly. Um, Big Iron Bowl victory this it week. It was one of the best. Oh.
1: Did you watch it? You
2: <laughs> kick off until oh, the oh. I could hardly <laughs> sleep the night before. Oh, my oh, goodness. Oh, man. Of You're <laughs> hardcore. Oh, very hardcore. We finally got season tickets this year. You know, it took me forever. Did you go? Were you there? Oh, no. You know, yeah, it was at Auburn. Yeah, I kind of stay away from that place. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, but love the Tide. So that one's big from a uh, from an exercise type standpoint. I enjoy that. Love to bike. Used to do triathlons, but in um, a lot of long distance running. But for those of us who've gotten older, the knees go. How so many triathlons have you done? That you know, I, you know, I've always done like the sprint triathlons, sort of the the entry level of those. I, I couldn't I couldn't tell yeah, you. That's what I do. I've done a couple of marathons <laughs> and uh, half marathons, and then loved that. But uh, how many marathons know, have you done? I did two marathons uh-huh. and. I couldn't tell you how many halves I did. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's kind of like me. I can't really keep. I can't really keep track of how many triathlons and marathons right. I've done.
0: Mark has done so many.
1: Oh, it's just <laughs> innumerable. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, where'd he go? Yeah, I, I walked uh, down the street this morning, and um,
2: <laughs> I can. He's count lying.
0: That. By the way, <laughs> yeah. he's a never done one. Yeah. Have you?
2: No. no, I have never oh, okay. done a triathlon. <laughs> just to make sure. Yeah. we've lived here you know for quite a while and um you know obviously healthcare was was really my passion for what i did started off as an accountant Uh, we were talking a bit earlier uh really a cpa in recovery is what i would say and um and I uh, just sort of figured out ticking into high numbers is not going to be my thing. Don't tell Charles Frazier who goes here, but uh, he was he was my, but Charles was my mentor and love, me. love 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 him. He was my accounting teacher and oh college. yeah mm-hmm. yeah great guy yeah I made a C yeah so yeah. <laughs> you know I did too I, you know I try to keep that quiet I didn't put that in the book the only C I ever made was Charles Frazier. Oh, yeah. I can the only C. And I don't know why I put him up there so high on my list. You know, I mean, I probably should not like him. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I do. He's, he's okay. a great, guy. great Caesar, guy. Caesar for me. That was my motto in college. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. But
1: th- enough about me. So you. Um, Uh, Yeah, you got hobbies, you got interests. Talk about church a little bit, your church family here at Brentwood Hills, which is where we're recording this podcast. We are grateful to Amy Bowman and Katie Culberson uh, Mm -hmm. for letting us use the studio here at Brentwood Hills to record the podcast each
2: time. Really grateful for them. So talk about your church family. Yeah, I love Brentwood Hills. We started here uh, in 1997 whenever we moved back uh, here uh, to be able to work with uh, one of the HCA hospitals, Southern Hills Medical Center, at that time, and uh, we had a lot of friends here that we went to college, and we felt very, very comfortable here. We think the world of Walt Lever, and we've been here again, so, you know, twenty, you know, I guess, twenty-four years now. And uh, in that time, I was really have been involved uh, as a deacon, really with missions, which kind of gave me somewhat of an introduction to, uh, uh, really, to, to Healing Hands and. And then uh, marriage ministry with Jennifer, we've been active with that. And then I've been a class teacher uh, the whole time as well, and and I enjoy that as well. So then became an elder uh, right, uh, it's two years, six months before the pandemic hit. Great time. Oh, timing is everything. was a perfect (laughs) time to step into a leadership position. Yeah, an elder during a pandemic. You could write a book on that. You're not joking, but it would be too big, okay? I mean, just Mm -hmm. two. it could be multiple volumes uh, with that right there. but. Love the family here. Uh, great, great people, uh, you know, focused on the Lord and is just, um, you know, it, it's just, you know, you, you talk about family. And at times, you know, family is just overused a lot. Mm-hmm. But I think here at Brentwood Hills, it truly is. And I can't imagine going through life without my brothers and sisters here. Yeah.
0: Well, tell us now, shifting gears, tell us a little bit more about your Healing Hands involvement uh, about your family involvement, maybe, and then yeah. I hear that you went on a trip to Kenya. I did. I want to hear about I did. that.
2: Too. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but my family has been involved for years. You know, the Magi project. You know, we've done that for mm-hmm. you know for many years. But I tell you where we really kind of began to focus. Uh, my wife uh, actually helped, and I think that's like 2008, 2009. But to be able to be a you know one of the uh, people who actually led to put together the first uh, Women of Hope Conference. Oh, wow. Yeah, got involved with that, and uh, you know, and so you know, I would hear a lot more about that, and she was very, very happy and was very active for a number of years to get that off the ground. And then the Walk for Water, that really kind of became, as a family, something that we did, and so I'm kind of learning more and more about you know, about healing hands and being on the missions committee. I mean, I see it as a line item of, you know, this is who we give to. And so I, I hear more and more about that. Bert Nowers, who is a really close friend of mine, you know, Bert, uh, you know, board and then actually you know, really participated from a leadership standpoint uh, there. And so I learned more about it that way. And then our, our daughter, Ashley, she put together where she raised money to be able to, uh, to be able to sponsor a well. Awesome. And so, yeah, through friends and everybody else. So she raised the money. So I kind of got more, you know, more involved, at least, you know, knowing that. And then, like you said, uh, Bert and I, we went on mission trip uh, to Kenya. And I had never been to Africa before. And so we support a, uh, a school there in, in Nairobi, Nairobi Great Commission School, that uh, Brentwood Hills, we helped sponsor that. Uh, that, that school there and so we just sort of said let's tag along and let's make a, a good trip with that so we got with Ebenezer and he put together I mean we covered miles um,
0: I hear that about him
2: yeah yeah you know and, and <laughs> Ebenezer's driver you know if Ebenezer hears this okay I'm telling you dude you need to you need you might want to really give your driver just a little bit I mean that, that was pretty scary but that's a whole other story but with Bert we got to go to so many of the of the villages. And when you began to, for me, to experience that with them, and then you see the water well that's dug, and what that means to everybody in that village, I mean, that, man, that spoke to me, that hit me. I've been on a lot of mission trips, and they're all really good, but that one right there, I mean, it really got to me. Mm-hmm. And, and so... With that, you know, I have done a lot of board work. And as I retired, I thought, you know, I'm going to narrow this down. And, uh, and I really thought, and I told this to Art, that, and Jennifer and I had talked about this, if there ever was one board that I would love, love to serve on, it would be Healing Hands. And, but I never, you know, I, I, did, I didn't tell anybody that other than Jennifer. And, uh, and so, you know, I got the call from Art, I don't know, maybe a year ago about this and, time and
1: he didn't know that yeah, no no or didn't know wow. and I,
2: I remember when that call came in you know first of all i was like okay it's, what number is this i'm not you know <laughs> you I'm, I'm not I'm yeah. answering that Send man it to voicemail. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> if they even give you a voicemail if not you know it's like blocks you know block caller mm-hmm. and uh but it was art and said hey jeff could you give me a call back and i thought and i remember i was about to get my car washed over at Shell yeah. off of Carruthers. And I pulled in, you know, this little parking spot and just said, you know, I, I, well, first of all, why is he calling me? But then <laughs> I, if, I really hope he's going to ask me to be a part of the board. I mean, I would wow. love that, that that's what this conversation would be about. Prayed about it. And then sure enough, I called Art back and that's what it was about. And I knew it's like, man, this, this is where God wants me to be. Mm-hmm. And, And I'm excited. You know, I've served on some boards that have been good, uh, but I've never been more excited about a board than this one. And um, so for me, that was great. But that trip to Kenya really, it just impacted me. Oh, yeah. And I just felt like, man, this is is the place to me. If I could narrow it down, I'm on one board, uh, just one. And um, uh, so with with that, uh, you know, I – I'm very, very thankful to that's have the great. opportunity to be able to do it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's great. So let's talk about that for a minute. What does your role on the board entail? Yeah. What does I mean, that look like as a board member of HHI? Yeah.
2: You have for right now, you know, we started off, and what I like about Healing Hands is my very first thing that I did, or we did as a board, was to do strategic planning. And there's a lot of boards I've been on that that, that, that basically they just want you to be on the board and really and truly they want you to give money and then they want you to get your friends to give money and then they always wanted me to make sure i could get hca to give money mm-hmm. and i thought you know i don't really feel like i'm i'm really contributing other than hey i'm gonna help you raise money but i want to maybe hopefully i can do something to help you know provide guidance with that so i was very impressed that right off the bat we went right into the vision you know with the vision the mission And was asked, we helped craft and then, you know, strategically, how do we fulfill this mission? What's the best way to be able to do it? So my role so far, because I just started this year has really to be a a part of that to help set vision uh, for uh, healing hands. And to me, that is something that hasn't always happened. Another reason I'm so impressed with this board.
1: So Art Woods, our president, has done a lot of um, just leading the board and our staff through strategic planning. Um, he's, I think he's been there five years now, and um, I've been there about a year and a half. But it's obvious how intentional he is in just carrying out that vision from the board level and narrowing it down to the staff. But for you... Uh, what excites you about where we are as an organization and about the vision for Healing Hands International?
2: I think, you know, right now, I mean, the organization is at a point that it's it's really got to decide, hey, do we keep doing the same thing we're doing, which has been great? Do we narrow that focus down, which, is, which would be fine as well? Or where else do we add? And then if we have to add, do you keep the same or do you not? And those are very strategic questions because, you know, everybody, we want, we want to help everybody, but if you help everybody at some point, you thin yourself out so much, or you're really making the impact. And so I think, you know, for us, we're in a great position, you know, I mean, Healing Hands has done very well. I think, you know, I mean, the way they, they operate the budget, the way they do it has been outstanding. So I think it's those sort of questions where I see us of really where we're at. Yeah and there's just opportunity mm-hmm. of whichever way you want to be able to go but that's kind of how I see it for right now. Yeah, great. Mm-hmm. Thank thank you.
1: Yeah, it's very and we appreciate what you do as a board member along with the other 10 or 12 people that serve on our board. It's a very behind the scenes job. It's not uh, not nothing you get a lot of accolades for. And for you it's not like you're doing it for your resume <laughs> well- now that you've retired. <laughs> but so it takes people like yourself and others who are willing to sacrifice time and energy to To lead us and to do it behind the scenes with no thought of accolades or glory or even recognition, and we greatly appreciate that.
2: Oh, again, it's my pleasure. But you know, if Art would have asked me, "Hey, would you pay you know a lot of money to be on the board?" I probably would have. But he didn't. Yeah. So don't (laughs) tell him that. Usually, that usually (laughs) that (laughs) comes (laughs) in year two. Oh man, I knew there was a catch somewhere. I I should have read that contract. Yeah, that's coming up. But in in all honesty, it's it's way you know. For me, it's such an intrinsic value that it is priceless. And whether you people know you're on the board or not, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I mean, it's just to be a part of this, like I said, I feel like I was God-led to it. And, uh, you know, my job, I think, is to be able to serve as best that I can because I think God put me in that role to be able to do it. Yeah, that's
0: great. We're very grateful for y'all. Um, so other than being on the board, what keeps you grounded? And what do you do to unplug
2: well um i can say keeps me grounded that would be jenna for my wife and no doubt about it you know she you know i think she got this one from uh i don't know if it's from barbara bush or laura bush i'm not sure but it's like hey rain it in bubba and she feels <laughs> very very comfortable in telling me that because i do you know you, you know i kind of get rolling and mm-hmm. uh she's very comfortable just rain it in bubba and wow. uh so Jennifer keeps me very well, you know, you know, grounded, you know, uh, humble and everything else uh, with that. The kids kids do the exact same thing as well. But, um, but that's kind of, you know, if you're asking, you know, how to get grounded. And, you know, I retired four years ago, so you try to be able – I mean, I enjoy life. I get to do some things, you know, I haven't done before. We enjoy the traveling together, love being with Jennifer. We love being able to hike trails, see waterfalls. Those are things that, that we thoroughly enjoy. And um, and that, you know you always didn't get to do those sort of things. So we try to make sure we have time to be able to do those. I try to maybe work about part time. Uh, is kind of how I look at it. The book, man, that took up a lot more time than I ever thought that it would. Mm-hmm. But um, but it comes back, I think, to be able to give whether it's going to be you know as an elder here at church, teacher, whatever community wise. But with my family, so those are things that uh, that I enjoy doing. And uh, stay grounded. And and just to get unplugged, like I said before, earlier, ah, man, I think just a, a walk with Jennifer. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be able to plan to go to a trail together. Uh, and not necessarily run it. It's just walk it and just just enjoy it. And, uh, and she's very, very good at that. You know, I'm kind of like one of those, all right, okay, now. Okay, I think I can beat my time by one minute if we can <laughs> be able to do this. Okay, I know I'll go around this tree here, go down there. I think I can cut this time. Mm-hmm. You know, Jennifer's like, slow it down. Let's look at the trees. We're
0: enjoying
2: it. We're enjoying Uh it. Let's find a frog. Okay, you know, just, (laughs) uh, you know, do what? um, (laughs) I go, but we can beat our time, darling. We can beat our time. Uh, but you know, she just slows it down. So that, that's kind of how I think I, you know, stay unplugged, you know, things like that. Just enjoy the world, enjoy the nature. Hey, so what's your
1: favorite local waterfall, like nearby, like within an hour or two distance of Nashville? Uh, My Uh, family loves waterfalls. We have young kids. We love going to, uh, just check out waterfalls, wading in the pool, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. What's a, what's a favorite waterfall of yours in the area?
2: Yeah. I I tell you, I, I would have to go probably a little bit further of what I really do like, uh, the Fiery Gizzard oh, Trail. Yeah, Have you done good. that one? Yeah. I mean it's a little bit out of the out of the zone here. No, that counts. But it's gotta count. I mean, that is as cool as it gets. And so my youngest daughter, Emily, we actually been swimming there one time too. Now that that's cold water. That's okay, cool. that, that, that was cold water. Middle but, of the
1: summer, when it's hot, it's cold it's water. It's cold water,
2: yeah. It's something like rafting or tubing down a river. It's cold water. But that hike, you know, it has everything and, and I love with the reward <laughs> of a waterfall. And uh, that you know that to us you know is is excellent, but that would probably be my favorite, you know, from around here. Uh, you know, we've gone up to um, we've kind of kind of fallen in love with the Highlands, Cashers, North Carolina area. We've been there three times in the last year, and there's probably more waterfalls, you know, per capita in just a short distance. Love it. Just love it. And that's how you talk about unplugged. Mm -hmm. You go there, you get unplugged. I wrote a couple of chapters while I was up there, too. Yeah, just as I'm unplugged, just kind of enjoying everything a little bit easier to think. So um, that that would be uh, probably my favorite. Uh, Again, that's about five hours away, but still fun. Just fine.
1: Yeah. Well, hey, let's talk about the book. So, you recently just became an author. Uh, the book came out last week. The name of the book is Leadership Treasure 25 Bits of Gold Discovered from 25 Years as a CEO. And, like you referenced earlier, you were in healthcare uh, for your career. But tell us uh, how the
2: book came about yeah. and why now. Okay, sure. You know, I. Um, yeah, I thought about that a few years ago. You know, people have always—I mean, yeah, you you know, your your career and kind of what you say. Hey, you can write a book. It's like, yeah, I don't know. And um, you know, but I think like everybody has a story uh, that you want to be able to, you know, be able to tell. And uh, and, and so I, I started off, you know, probably when I retired, and I got, you know, I just can't do this. It, this is way too much work. I'm not doing it. But then I guess the idea for me would be, in, in kind of the book is as a leader. You know, there are things I did right. There are things I completely messed up. And if I were younger, if I was a leader now, I would love to hear from that, of from that experience. I know for me, anytime I ever went to a conference, any, anything that was there, I always learned from people who had been there. You know, there's some great, great speakers, okay, some fancy, fancy light shows, all those sort of things, but they've never done it. And only until you have... A lot of people, you know, and at summit, you know, we had a little little over a thousand employees there. Until you've been there, you don't know what it's like. You don't know the pressure. You don't know what you deal with. And I thought, surely there's a way I can pass along something to somebody else from somebody who's been there. So that's kind of really how the book started. Now, you know, one of the byproducts of a book is you write a book and people think, man, this guy's an expert. Well, you know, there's a chapter I left out, and that would be if I would have known that I'd have written this book. You know, when I was 25. <laughs> but um, but in all honesty, it, uh, it yeah, the goal is to pass it along. I, I think leadership lessons should be passed along, and so the book is it's short. It's 127 pages. You know, I'm one of those like, let's get to it. Tell me what it is, and so I don't think people want to read 500 pages anymore. And uh, so for my it, Each chapter is four pages, five pages, max. Here's the story, here's what I learned, or here's where I messed up. Here's a couple bits of gold, go forth. And that's kind of, it's a quick, fast paced uh, type of read. But just again, because not everybody is gonna, you know, nobody really starts from start to finish anymore. You can pick things out and so forth. But that's kind of what was behind the, the reason with that. And then to be able to tell the story and having that opportunity to be able to speak and I enjoy the coaching, and, and that gives me tremendous uh, satisfaction of helping leaders individually, but then I thought, hey, what if I were able to, to talk to more than just one, and the way to be able to do that is with a book. I mean, it just sort of opens up some opportunities to be able to do that, so that, that was really kind of the reason, you know, to do it. It was very humbling. Whenever you do have an editor, a uh, proofreader, you begin to learn or ask yourself, Hey, did I go did I take English in college I mean did I miss all the punctuation <laughs> very very humbling uh but but the editor was great I enjoyed working with her it just sort of clicked and then uh then, but there's just some things just like nah this is kind of the way I want to say it and you know she was good with that as well so but it was quite humbling
1: Yeah, writing a book is not easy at all. It takes a lot of work, as you were talking about. Bob Goff is one of my favorite authors. He's a speaker around the country and just uh, huge in our faith community. Uh, His book, Love Does, um, and Everybody Always, um, just absolutely fantastic books and how to reach out to people and just his life journey. But one of the things he says about um, uh, when it comes to writing a book is everybody has a book in them. Mm Mm-hmm. And how, how many Americans um, have thought about the idea of writing a book. But the one thing that keeps them from actually doing it is fear. And that's so true. Like, they just don't believe in themselves that they can do it. And uh, because it does take a lot of work. And, you know, if you, if you can't sit down one day and write a chapter, uh, Bob Goff says, well, write a page. And if that's too much for you today, then just write a paragraph. And if that seemed daunting write a sentence. <laughs> uh, and, and, and that's so true. Like, it's not a matter of like, okay, I've got eight hours today. I got to crank out three chapters. But, <laughs> oh, uh, but at the same point, uh, what, what would you speak to uh, that fear in like it, there had to be a threshold that you finally crossed of,
2: okay, am I going to do it? Yeah. Uh, you know, probably, um, you know, a couple of things there, whenever COVID hit and as coaching, You know, those are, you know, with the companies that I work with in coaching some of their leaders, you know, they, you know, people didn't know what to do, you know, back, you know, March of, you know, 2020. And so one of the first things they cut was coaching. And I tell them, I I don't blame you. I would do the exact same thing. Do not worry. And and really all that did come back. But at the time, that's when I looked at Jennifer, you know, we're kind of in that stage of like at that time, okay, we're going to flatten the curve. Everybody stay indoors for two weeks. I mean, little did I know, man, we're, we're still dealing with this but i thought you know i'm gonna have some time and i have a story i think i'm gonna go ahead and do it and so i just kind of began researching and then then you, you just sort of kind of get over that point that hey i think i can help somebody and that kind of put me over over the hill of hey you might as well do it in this day and age you know everybody either likes you criticize you or whatever you just got to get over it and as a hospital ceo uh for 25 years dealing with a lot of people. Uh, It takes a lot to hurt my feelings. Okay, I mean, it takes a lot. I think I've. I mean, I. I mean, my job was to go to meetings and take heat. Okay, and and I learned to be able to say no real easily. But I think with this, uh, it just sort of that's what kind of put me over, and it's time to be able to do that. And then, as you were saying, you, you, you have to kind of get into that rhythm. And then I'm an accountant by nature, so you begin to tap into the creative side, which was very different. That was, that was a lot of fun. But, you know, I'm very kind of, you know, you know, kind of, I don't want to say regimented, but I would kind of end up figuring out on Monday, okay, I'm going conceptually of kind of how I'm looking at this, what are the points? Tuesday, let's begin writing. You know, Wednesday, let it sit. Thursday, come back and go, what is this? Then you begin to write again, let it sit. Then you come back Saturday, and it's like, okay, I think I got it. Yeah. And yeah. and and sadly, yeah. You, know, you talk about hey, write a sentence, write a paragraph. It was four pages. It was usually like one chapter, uh, usually one chapter a week became, which is to me it was four pages, and uh, it's that's about a thousand words or so. And that was about kind of what I could be able to do. But I finally kind of began to find that groove of how to be able to do it, and and that was good. And then you, then you have to figure out hey, when am I going to end this thing, and uh, and and then it just sort of like. I've got the story, I, I, I've got it, and it felt uh, really good uh, to be able to do that. Well, congratulations! That's so exciting. Hey, thanks I mean, for it to come out the week of
1: Thanksgiving. That is awesome, and we'll get we'll revisit the book here in, in a minute towards the end about how people can find it and connect mm-hmm. with you in that way. But to zoom out for a minute, as it relates to your career, um, your twenty five years in healthcare, just from your vantage point. What are some of the greatest challenges that are facing our healthcare industry today across the country? I mean, it's a hot topic. Yeah, um, you know, politically, it's a hot topic, um, and but financially, socially, and so many areas. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm asking you a loaded question that um, you have written a book about, and you could probably write another book about just in that regard. But just, yeah, what are some of the greatest challenges that you see from that executive level that are facing? Our country today as it relates to healthcare.
2: okay yeah but very good question and you know from my perspective and really then talking with the, the people that i do coach and i stay connected to a lot of folks and you know just tell me what you're what you're seeing right now to without a doubt the biggest thing's COVID. I mean, th- th- there's no doubt it's dealing with that that and you know the, the strain that it has on the system on those that work on the number of beds that's huge and and, and i again very political of how you know people view certain things and for me i stand by you know being vaccinated and, and, and i stand by that i encourage people to be able to do that what's what to me right now i think that faces our healthcare system it's the number of it's the number of workers that we have you look at nurses we've, we've always struggled we've always had a, a huge need for nurses. You got so many now, they're bailing out. They, they are tired. They're burned as, out. They're burned out from COVID. And if you remember last year, you know, we really elevated them, we said heroes, and we did a lot. Uh, this year, think that, about it, yeah, zero, yeah. zero. So their whole thing is, okay, no one really recognizes. We now have more people coming in that are sick Nobody cares. It's Nobody not talked
0: about it is. It's not. as it, much, at it, least. It,
2: it's not, and they're like, we don't care. And so you're looking at that. you know, The average age of nursing, at least here in Nashville, you know, that back when I was still working, it was about 46 years of age. That group, 46, 55, are gone. They're gone. It's like, I'm not going to do it anymore. Then you have a very young group that are coming through their nursing, which we have to be able to have. And a lot of them, there's a lot more opportunity to do some other things. And, it, it, you know, in talking to one nurse – He was tired of seeing death. He goes, I've seen this every single day. Does America care? I'm doing something else. So right now, if you ask me the labor piece of this, it's critical. I mean, I'm very concerned about that. So those are the things that if you're looking, if you're asking me right now, that's what we've got to be able to get over. I mean, but it's in everybody's face. How are we going to be able to do it? You know, from a social standpoint, you know i I do worry you know about access to care you know i'm a strong believer and again you you try to stay away from the politics of how that may be but i have always believed people should have access to health care in america Mm -hmm. i don't i don't really care what socioeconomic level you're at you should have access to care And, and i stand by that now the question is how you can pay for it and you can have great debate with that but nonetheless, the underlying to me is we've got to continue to focus on that and to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can give a number of stories that could break your heart of people who needed access to care but it, but struggled with that. But I, I think that to me, those are the things right now, if you're asking me from a healthcare, that's what goes through my head.
1: Yeah, so if you're a college student listening to this podcast or a young professional who's searching – for what you want to do, or if you're wanting to look for a career change, like going into healthcare to become a nurse, a nurse practitioner, um, a doctor, (laughs) you know, uh, my, my father-in-law's small hometown, they can't get doctors to come to the hometown to the small towns. Uh, you know, that's a great profession, a service profession that they are heroes and they are people who are, have been put on the front line in this pandemic so um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure uh, people like yourself would say, "Hey, consider going into healthcare." Oh, um, I mean uh, it. Uh, it does. It does pay well. It does give flexibility. It has great benefits, and and it gives um, you're, you're serving people of of all sorts and types and varieties.
2: You're exactly right, and and I tell a lot of the folks I always work with, especially that are the, the clinical people that that take care. Uh, and even those that I would view myself as like a support to a caregiver. If you work at a hospital or anything in healthcare, when you go home at night or when you're driving home, you know you help somebody. Mm-hmm. And, and the way I look at that, I think God smiles on those who take care of his children. And in healthcare, you will get that. Is it hard? Yeah. But the intrinsic value of, hey, I help somebody, you can't put a price on it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you have a career coaching company now called Whitehorn Coaching and Consulting. So how did you get the idea for this and what all do you
2: do. Hey, don't you think that name of that company is really catchy? You know, it took me I l- think so. It took me hours and hours to figure that one out. Wow. That's just, yeah, that, that's that,
1: that's really, yeah. yeah. You can understand. <laughs> but, but hey, it works. You, yeah, got, you
2: yeah. have clients yeah. and uh, you have people coming to you. Yeah. So. Straightforward.
0: Oh, I like abs-
2: absolutely. I, I, the, the way it actually helped, I mean, I mentored a number of people and uh, if there's any, you know, one of the things I enjoyed the most in my job, one was recognizing employees and I got a chapter about that too. It's the sound of applause. And not everybody gets it, but if you really want to recognize somebody, it's the sound of applause. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, how do you help people grow in their career and do some great things? And I look back on that. That was very enjoyable for me. So whenever I retired, I had several people, hey, would you be willing to coach me? And I didn't want to say, I thought, I don't even know what that is. You know, I didn't have a coach. And uh, so as I, I played for about the first nine months of being retired, and then it's like, you, don't want to, you want to be able to do something to continue to be able to get back. And I learned more about coaching and uh, took classes about coaching. And uh, said, yeah, I think I'll do this. So I coached about three people. Okay, let's just see how this works. And then I go, I think I like this. And so it just sort of grew. You know, I, I kind of cap it. I'll coach anywhere from probably about eight to ten people at any given time. But, I, you know, I don't want to go further than that. I've done that, and it's like uh, this is starting to feel like a job. So I kind of you know pulled that one back uh, with it, but I'll coach about eight to ten, and, and I love it because it's one of those things. Whenever you have a you know after a session with somebody, you walk back to your car and you go, you know what? I think I helped somebody. And those were the two things for me in retirement. It's like I got to have the interaction, kind of like we have here mm-hmm. with people, because I love that. And the next thing I got to know, I'm making a difference. And coaching checked off both those boxes for me. And it's just been fun. It's just something different. You know, I was inside a hospital for all those years. This is different. And it's just been fun. And then, you, you know, you add a book to it and see where it goes.
0: Yeah. So those first three people, did you know them before? or
2: I, I did. Okay. I did. and um, But I had some friends. I said, hey, I'm going to do this. Who do you think i ought to talk to? And I said, hey, I'll do it for basically nothing. And that way, you know, hopefully it'll help them and it helps me. And so that's really kind of how I did that. But I did know them. Okay. And, uh, and, and it's just fun to see kind of where they're at. Uh, you know, two of the three have been promoted. The third one went and left another company and now is a, a VP in a company. Wow, wow look it at it, you. Well, that's it, awesome.
1: Testimonies well, to Whitehorn Coaching and Consulting. That's, that's awesome. It.
2: <laughs> and read the book, okay? you got to be able to read the book. Yep. So, no, I, it was just fun to be a part of their journey. And I just enjoy that. So that's kind of, that's just kind of how I've settled, you know, really from my time of how, you know, I want to kind of keep my hands, you know, somewhat uh, within, you know, with healthcare or whatever.
1: That's great. So the name of the podcast is It Takes a Village, and uh, a question we ask each one of our guests is talk about what that's meant for you personally. You touched on this earlier, but who is your village? Yeah, uh, Who's your village now? Who's that been throughout your life? And, and also, just in that, who are those people who have impacted your life? Maybe some friends, uh, mentors, either currently or back in the day. Yeah. Uh, talk to us about uh, your village.
2: Yeah. You know, my village will certainly start with with my family. Uh, we're very tight, very close. You know, my village starts there. And then it spreads really to my, my really close friends and throughout, uh, especially throughout you know, Brentwood Hills, people that we have here from a church. But, you know, it's I think it's just really what the people that mean a lot to me, those I can trust, those that, that, that trust me, that becomes the village. And, and truly, it's just my it's my family, you know, whether it's my immediate family or it's people that are right here. I think throughout, you know, throughout my career, you know, I got to get a plug in for Charles Frazier, who goes here to Brentwood Hill, served as an elder for many, many years. He, there was just a group of us at school, and we just gravitated towards him, and Charles really affected me. I went to him. That would be a mentor for me at that, at that point in time that really helped me. David Solomon, after that, and, you know, David is over at at Elder at Harpeth Hills, And David uh, was very instrumental with me as well, you know, just getting right out of school. I got that in the book also. And um, so I think then along the way, you find the people, whether it's going to be a boss, uh, Paul Rutledge, uh, who was my boss. And I got a great, I feel like a great story in there about that, about, you know, really Joshua 1, about being strong and courageous and, you know, really how Paul played a role in that. So those have been my mentors really along the way that, uh, that uh, I think have uh, helped shape me, whether it's the village or from a business standpoint, career standpoint, those would be the folks that they really impacted me.
1: Yeah, that's great. I mean, anytime when that question's asked and you're and the response is Charles Frazier and David Solomon, yeah. uh, you're in good company.
2: Absolutely. I think um, the world of both of them and they, uh, they, they certainly helped me out a lot. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, Jeff, that is all we have for you. Thank you so much for telling your story and sharing with us a little bit about your world. Again, Jeff's book is called Leadership Treasure. Uh, so where can where can people buy the book and find or follow you online?
2: Well, I appreciate that. I'm not sure you're going to find it on the New York Times, you know, bestseller just yet. <laughs> not yet. But, We're waiting. But, but hey, we just After started this
1: podcast, though.
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, that's where you may have to go <laughs> to find this thing. But yeah, you know, there's a couple ways to be able to do it. You either can go to Amazon. It's on Amazon. You can okay. go to Barnes and Noble. You can order it off of there. You know, I do things. You know, I've had like some like bulk sales where people mm-hmm. have actually come through me. And you can do that. You can find me. I have a website, uh, whitehorncoaching.com, that if you want to do that, you can holler at me, and we can be able to do that as well. But more from a bulk, Mm -hmm. uh, we've been able to help some folks to be able to do that and maybe kind of keep the price down a little bit. Now, don't tell Amazon I said that, okay? (laughs) Okay. All right, I love Amazon. All right, I love Jeff Amazon. Bezos. If you're listening to this right now, <laughs> don't yeah. listen. Don't listen. Don't. It, it, yeah, let's not tell Jeff. Okay, yeah. Jeff's a good guy, but no. But 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 that's how you can do it. You know, you can easily just go through and just do the easy button, hit Amazon, okay. and uh, and you can be able to get it. And if somebody wanted to contact you, um, just through the website, your, yeah, e- your you email can, address it, is everything is on there, and it, you can just put uh, it, it'll send it to my email address. Great. But there's a way, just go around on the website. Easy to get me. Whitehorncoaching.com. That's it. That's it. All right.
1: right. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. Uh,
2: Hey, thanks for asking me. I'm very, very honored. Thank you for doing that.
1: Thank you all for joining us uh, again on It Takes a Village, Episode 8. We really appreciate you being part of our community. Um, As we close out here, uh, Taryn, just uh, tell me some of your takeaways from our time with Jeff today.
0: I really enjoyed talking with Jeff. Um, I learned a lot about uh, what all you can do after retiring. There's still a lot that you can do. Are you already thinking about that? I'm already thinking about it. Yeah, you have like seven
1: more years and you'll be there. (laughs)
0: I need to start saving for retirement probably, but, you know, there's still time.
1: There's still th- You have a few years. <laughs> i yeah. got
0: a few years. But yeah, uh, he's a great guy. I'm really happy that he's on our board doing a lot for the future of Healing Hands. So what about you? Yeah,
1: his humility. Um, really came across. um, I did not know Jeff until uh, just recently as we've been talking about this podcast, but just his view on leadership and his view in healthcare being in the service industry. And what I love, I think the story that I love most and how he and his family have been involved with healing hands for years and years, well over a decade, maybe even two decades. And as he um, got to that point at his life stage where he wanted to retire, that he had he had an end goal in mind. Had, if there was one board I could be part of, it would be Healing Hands. But he didn't tell anybody but his wife. And so that just kind of speaks to yeah. the way the Holy Spirit works and how um, God can even take those unspoken visions. Uh, or, you know, he spoke it to his wife, but he didn't, um, he didn't contact a board member and say, Hey, right. you know, work me in, or he didn't contact art. He just had this vision of, Hey, if I could serve on one board, it would be healing hands. And just to see how God made that happen. That's uh, yeah. that's a big, that'll, that'll, a be my mm-hmm. that'll be my takeaway. That's good. So again, thanks for joining us. Um, we appreciate it. Be sure to subscribe, rate and review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to this on, Apple, Spotify, Google Play. We're on all of them. Um, And if you want to learn more about what we do at Healing Hands, you can go to our website, hhi.org. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram, at Healing Hands INT, at Healing Hands INT. And on Twitter, we're at HHI Updates. So while we're at it, just share this on social media, Uh, Taryn and the marketing team will put this on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook over the coming days, once it's released. So share it, tell others about it We're we've really enjoyed growing our audience. We really appreciate the feedback that we've got Mm -hmm. and it's been fun just to introduce all of you to people who are part of our community.
0: Yeah. Thank you for listening to us. So special thanks to our friends at Brentwood Hills Church of Christ for the recording studio. And to Maeva for creating the original jingle and Kristen Harper from our office who produces and also Grace Boucher who also produces. Give it up for Grace. Give it up for Grace. That's
1: awesome. We also want to thank Mr. Bob Mosley. Mr. Bob is a volunteer at Healing Hands. He's retired. He's been coming in the office for about 15 years on Tuesdays is the day that we see Mr. Bob. He's always out in the warehouse helping with Magi any other projects, somebody's like, hey, I need this built. It's like, go to Mr. (laughs) Bob. Ask Bob. And I love that Mr. Bob has his on toolbox area in our warehouse. If I ever need a tool, I go to Mr. Bob's area. Don't tell him I said that. but Thank you, Mr. Bob Mosley, for all that you give to Healing Hands. Signing off for It Takes a Village. We will see you next time.
0: See you next time. Thank you for listening